Want to do better? Then it's time to change the story. Welcome to our show about new visions currently transforming the world through the confluence of art, tech, and innovation. And now your hosts, Michael Ashley and Neil Sahota. Hey, welcome to another episode of Changing the Story. We've got a phenomenal guest today, Marinella Gomsev. She is the CEO of Evoke Neuroscience, a data and diagnostics company focused on reducing the number of people living with treatable cognitive impairment. Over 58,000 patients have been scanned using Evoke's technology. The company has twice been ranked in Inc.'s 500 and 5,000 fastest growing private companies. She earned her bachelor's degree in electrical engineering from the University of California, Irvine. All right, zot, zot, zot. And MBA from Pepperdine University, where she was named top 40 under 40 alumna. Marinella, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Absolutely. So as a visionary, what is the story that you would like to bring to the world? So I'd like people to know that it is high time that we start taking good care and proactive care of our brains. Um, this is something that, you know, um, is not really well covered in our healthcare system. You know, we go to our doctor, we get everything checked, we get our blood drawn, we can get our chest uh, x-rayed, we can, you know, do all sorts of diagnostic tests, but when was the last time your doctor checked how well your brain was working? Um, so this is a, a needs that there needs to be a paradigm shift in how we approach uh, taking care of our brains, both from a healthcare perspective, but also from a patient and, and um, consumer perspective. The way we think about our brain uh, needs to be a lot more like the heart. We don't show up to our doctor and say, hey, I had a heart attack. What do I do now? We, in, mm -hmm. in fact, we take proactive care of our heart. Even our Cheerios box says this is heart healthy. Um, so the big idea that I want to share is that we can and we should take better and proactive care of our brains. Well, I would say that I at least, maybe some of our audience would go like, whoa, maybe I don't want to really know how well my brain is doing. Maybe it's not full enough, I don't know. But we always seem to discount or realize too late that we might be having mental health issues. I think with COVID-19 going on, there's a lot more anxiety and stress, and I'm seeing a lot of PTSD from people. I mean, how do we even know if we're having like mental health or, or brain trauma going on? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I think it's important to understand that the brain is responsible for what some people may may think are kind of the, the conditions that you know, we, we term as mental health, such as depression, anxiety, PTSD, those are not things that are just happening to you, and, and it, they're often very stigmatized. So first and foremost, it's important to recognize that those are actually a result of physical changes in your brain, um, electrochemical changes that manifest themselves as depression or anxiety or, you know, suicidal ideation. Um, so it's, that first has to be dispelled, that myth that, you know, what's wrong with me? It's, it's an actual change in your physiology. Um, and then, you know, on the other side of the spectrum, you know, from away from mental health, talking a little bit about uh, neurodegenerative disease, um, such as Alzheimer's and dementia, very, two very, you know, scary conditions, you know, dementia being the umbrella condition. Um, also recognizing that um, that is a, um, not a normal way to age, um, but it's also something that we can influence. Um, research now shows 
that one out of three dementia cases could be prevented or delayed. So um, that's very powerful information that we can take in and start to take some action. I want to uh, pick up on what you said there about things that we can we can do something about we can we can change and talk about the performance issue. So I've often heard that uh, a big thing that you can do to prepare as you get older is to do things like crossword puzzles to keep your brain engaged in the same way. Going back to what you mentioned about the heart, you know, people mm-hmm. take walks, they do physical exercise so that they keep their their heart going well, uh, their their physical health. Um, and the same way when it comes to mental health. Um, I even began doing apps a few years ago to engage and to work on things like short-term memory, uh, awareness, stuff like that. What recommendations would you make for, even for people that are much younger, they're not even close to an age where Mm -hmm. this is going to be an issue. How can people begin being proactive, even from a young age, and what would you recommend doing? Yeah, such a great question. Um, Well, first and foremost, I'm not a neuroscientist and I'm not a medical doctor, but I have come to learn through our work at Evoke Neuroscience in in looking at the research and in looking at what um, information is available to us, um, it really is about reducing those risk factors to the brain. Mm -hmm. Um, When you look at the latest research um, published by the Alzheimer's Association, um, they put out a list of risk factors starting at early age that um, we can work to um, reduce in order to age in a healthy way. So in particular for Alzheimer's and other types of dementia, um, starting with that higher education early in life, getting a, a exposure to um, more and more education builds up, builds up cognitive reserve, which is then used later in life as a protective uh, factor. Um, later in life and in midlife, we want to look at things like hearing loss um, and hypertension and obesity. Um, and then much later in life, and actually throughout our entire lives, it's the, the effects of exercise and diet have been demonstrated to have protective effects um, against neurodegenerative disease. So um, I would encourage everybody just to do a little bit of, of digging and research on your own to see what would make a difference in, in, in your life. Mm-hmm. And the bottom line is basically anything that's good for the heart is most likely also good for the brain. So you can keep it simple that way. Sure. Well, there's a, one quick follow-up question on that. So I'd also heard, I mean, and uh, Woody Allen makes a joke about this in any hall, talking about the importance of continuing education. So as you mentioned, that's this interesting about doing higher education when you're young. Would you also then recommend people take courses as they, as they get older, just to stay engaged and things yeah, like that? The research, there are some studies that show that um, cognitive training um, as part of uh, other lifestyle um, interventions does have these protective effects, reducing, uh, re- reducing your risk and also delaying the onset of um, cognitive decline. So yes, um, I don't know necessarily whether crossword puzzles do it or Sudoku or you know, more um, rigorous forms of cognitive training, um, but I, I think keeping your mind engaged and always learning is absolutely a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of building upon Michael's exercise, it, it sounds like based on what you said earlier that while we feel mental health issues, it's actually damaging our brain. So we're actually some sort of physical damage to us. Do I understand that right? Yeah, there's actual physiological changes that manifest in the brain 
in the brains of people with anxiety, with depression, with PTSD. And there are very distinct patterns of the brain that can be recognized. And that's what we do as a company is we provide analytics to physicians who are using our product uh, to help them understand what changes are happening in the brain so they can better understand the underlying causes of the patient's symptoms. Um, so yes, absolutely. These are changes that basically light up in the brain um, in various regions. And can we heal heal those? I mean, if, if I'm feeling anxious, am I permanently damaged myself here? Yeah, I mean, you know, our brains are kind of amazing in the sense that there's we can be highly functioning individuals and still have a lot of issues with our brains. But what happens over time is that those um, challenges that the brain is overcoming on a day to day basis in order to perform they wear on us and they wear our brain down um, and they can show up later in life um, as well, even though we are high functioning adults. Um, so yes, they can be corrected. Of course, there are lots of medications for anxiety, for depression, they can correct some of the, um, the chemical imbalances that are going on, but there are also alternative therapies, you know, for, for anxiety. Um, a lot of our practitioners use um, heart rate variability, um, biofeedback, um, and other alternative therapies. So regardless of the treatment, whether it's a more conventional or more alternative method, um, you can make those changes in the brain. It reminds me of a, a TED talk I saw a few years ago that would talk about the elasticity of the brain. And mm -hmm. what you mentioned is that we were told for a long time that if you do things like, let's say drinking, you kill brain cells and they don't come back. But it, it sounded like uh, that that um, determination had been reversed, that there is elasticity to the brain. And to, to Neil's question, uh, I would go even further, is, is that, number one, is my understanding correct? And number two, what are some, let's say, um, proactive measures as well? Let's say that you are dealing with anxiety, um, especially in these, in these times. What could you do to, to mitigate uh, the, the bad effects of that so that you, st you stay brain healthy? Yeah. Um, so to that second question, there's, there are a lot of, um, there's a lot of information out there about how to address anxiety. There is no magic pill. I think we're all feeling some level of anxiety as a result of COVID and social unrest. And there's a lot going on in the world right now. Um, the various pressures that people are feeling, whether it be financial or, or otherwise. So, you know, to me, just going back to personally, like recognizing that that's a fact in your life and acknowledging that first. And then also recognizing that there are steps that you can take to address that, um, whether it's, you know, talking to your medical provider uh, as a first step and getting a diagnosis that can often be helpful in, in kind of the, the first step. Um, but also looking at other tools that, um, you know, I personally don't like taking medication. So I'm going to try everything I can do to avoid um, taking medications. And of course, I will take medications if I need to. So um, I did mention heart rate variability biofeedback that's been, um, you know, studied as a alternative therapy um, for kind of managing your, your body's um, physiological response to stressors. Um, so that's one thing that people could look at. Yeah. So, so Marinella, I mean, you and Evoke Science are kind of leading this charge on like the mental health and taking care of the brain. I mean, why hasn't it gotten more attention before? I mean, what are the challenges involved here? Yeah, I mean, some of the challenges relate to the way our healthcare system is set up in terms of um, who owns um, this kind of process. It's not historically, it, uh, primary care providers 
have not had a lot of tools at their disposal to deal with mental health, and we do have um, quite a shortage of mental health providers in the in the U.S. Um, so, and it's and I think it's also societal. I mean, if you look at past generations, we haven't wanted to talk about mental health. It's been a very stigmatized issue um, and it's something that a lot of folks brush aside and want to work power through um, and so I, I'm actually very encouraged kind of where we're heading with this because COVID has created such an opportunity for us to pause and reflect and see how much that mental health does affect our lives um, and I'm also encouraged by the fact that Gen Z as well as millennial generations are very willing to talk about mental health and well-being. Um, and they have the potential to become advocates of this cause um, in the coming years and generations. So um, I think this is a significant point in time that brings a lot of needed attention to this issue. Uh, Neil and I had, had a guest on yesterday, and he was talking about the need to not be in a reactive mode and the importance of taking a step back and going to things that allow for a greater co contemplation so that you don't just slash out at somebody, especially when, when it comes to social media. So I wonder, uh, and we were talking about meditation and meditation as, as a tool to lead us to uh, being getting away from that reactivity. And I wondered what your thoughts were about meditation in terms of overall brain health. And then uh, knowing that mindfulness is very much in the news these days, how, how too can mindfulness be another tool that we use? Yeah. Well, meditation has been demonstrated to cause physiological changes in the brain um, that can be both uh, lasting um, and in the moment. So I think that um, is absolutely a, a, a good tool to look at. Um, it does take commitment uh, and practice, um, but it, it has been demonstrated to literally make those changes, those healthy changes in the brain that we discussed. So yeah, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a personally a fan. I try to meditate as often as I can. It, it doesn't always happen, but yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah. And, and mindfulness, would you say people, I have a friend that, that very much is, is devoted to the mindfulness practice. What would you say about that too? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it goes goes hand in hand. I mean, I think it's just being in a um, having a state of awareness about your own mindset and your mental health is a result, direct result of that. Yes, there can be uh, chemical, electrochemical changes in the brain that are outside of our control, but it does start with our own thoughts and actions um, and mm -hmm. how we proactively protect and, and address those um, thoughts. If I could maybe change gears for a bit here, because I know we were talking about brain health and you know mental health, but if I understand some of the work that Evoke is doing, there's actually triggers for other diseases like cardiovascular diseases where there's actually an impact on the brain. You could actually perhaps detect some of those risk factors from actually like brain imaging. Is that my my way off yeah. base here or <laughs> no i think what you're picking up on is the fact that at, at evoke we also measure um besides measuring eeg to look at brain health we also measure the autonomic nervous system through a three-lead ecg um so that gives us a little window into the autonomic nervous system which controls basically our fight or flight response, which is very much linked to anxiety, um, depression, uh, PTSD. 
So um, really, as a company, we, we focus on metrics that are both central nervous system and autonomic nervous system related. So it's more than brain. It's actually brain and body to some degree. Yeah, and those two systems are very much linked. So um, when you talk about mindfulness, it's, you know, mindfulness is, is aware, includes awareness of our, our bodies, our, our state of mind, um, and it's very much a whole system that interacts in order to create the experiences that we have every day. So when you said, it reminds me, this whole conversation reminds me, I was in a meeting a, a couple of years ago and I forgot the name of the movie that came out. It was about the, you know, what happens to, to football players who get in all these, these head injuries. And we were, we're sitting around the table, all these professionals, and we were debating. It was a group of people that were about middle-aged or so about whether or not they would ever let their kids uh, play football. And so I think that has definitely, the, the, the culture has changed um, in the last few decades about uh, about this issue. And I wonder what your thoughts are about that, first of all. And also, what are maybe some other things, uh, other activities that maybe we take for granted that can be contributing to problems when it comes to brain health and then knowing the brain health affects body yeah. health? Um, so I'll address that one first, uh, the last one first. Uh, hearing loss, as I mentioned earlier, is a huge risk factor. I wouldn't say huge is a risk factor for Alzheimer's and dementia. And so if we think about, you know, in our young lives, when we're listening to a lot of loud music and damaging that eardrum, or mm -hmm. we maybe work in a highly noisy environment and some of those, um, maybe in, ear, in a construction zone, or, you know, you work at an airport and you're exposed to that high levels of noise all the time, that can become a risk factor for Alzheimer's. So protecting your hearing uh, system, your auditory system, um, is important. As far as football is concerned, you know, I'm so glad you bring that up. I, that is absolutely a, a risk uh, factor for a variety of brain-based disorders. Mm. Um, we know that now. Um, we also, uh, at our company, we have uh, been part of studies that have looked at soccer players. So not necessarily the high-impact sports, but the what's called a subconcussive blow, a repeated non-concussion but a repeated blow to the head mm. from headers in soccer and those physiological changes to the brain have can be measured so you you are in fact creating damage um, as you expose your brain to physical impact mm -hmm. um, what how much and uh, what that causes down the road this, you know we don't know yet it hasn't been answered but as, as for me I know my son will uh, not be playing football. <laughs> uh, and uh, certainly I'll be looking at closely at soccer as well. I know that they also stopped them. Um, they don't allow kids to do headers for, for some of those exact reasons. So yeah, it's, it's absolutely something we should be aware of as, as parents. Um, and, you know, I'm a football fan as, as much as the next person, but yeah. it's a fact that the brain does get damaged from impact. Sure. I, I remember watching, I don't know if it's the same movie, Michael, the movie Concussion with Will Smith, which I thought yeah. was really, really well done. And I actually thought it was interesting because they talk about that your brain is kind of floating in this liquid, right? Uh, you know, I know there's not a whole lot of space there, but if you're suddenly running and there's an impact, your brain is essentially hitting against your skull and getting bruised. And, uh, you know, dumb, dumb us, or at least dumb me, we never think twice about some of those things. But I can tell you, I've actually suffered a concussion, and you know, 
I, all I remember was running and next thing I know I'm on the sidelines and the coach had told me that, you know, you, you'd been out for like a couple of minutes. Wow. Right? And to me, it's like, I didn't really experience that. Right. I, I believe them, but it's, it's kind of, it's hard to, to resonate. And I know that people really get it like that immediate threat, but it sounds like it comes to like neurological conditions or and brain health. It's, it's, it might be a slow, long-term type of play. So, I mean, how, how do people stay on top of that and make sure that we're doing some of the right things and we're staying healthy in that regard? Yeah, I think that's a big, important question. I mean, you know, it starts with awareness. You have to be aware that you, ha you only you can protect your brain, right? And what mm -hmm. are the ways that you can protect your brain? Um, it'll be wonderful when our health care system does ultimately take a preventive approach. And I think that will happen. In fact, you know, the, um, the American Association um, of Neurology um, issued um, a recommendation that everybody over the age of 65 should be getting an annual cognitive screening. Um, that's a good start, right? But it's not nearly as far as we should be going. Um, you know, as you mentioned, concussion can happen to anybody, right? And at any age. So we need to be monitoring what's happening um, from a brain health perspective. Out of curiosity, so what, what does a cognitive exam look like? What, what kind of questions are you covering on that? Yeah, um, so the, the Academy does not make any specific recommendations, um, so it leaves that up to the practitioner. But um, for our uh, assessment, we have a um, battery of tests. Um, that are both subjective, meaning they ask the patient for information okay. to get an inventory of how, what they're experiencing. Um, but we also measure the brain objectively using EEG. And so while EEG historically has only been used in limited cases such as epilepsy, um, mm. EEG also contains a lot of rich data, a lot of rich electrophysiological biomarkers or biomarkers for short, that gives us in, that give us insight into a variety of disease states, um, including depression, dementia, um, anxiety, PTSD, ADHD, mm -hmm. um, and those can be very useful to doctors when they're looking at um, what a patient's going through. So, um, EEG has the ability basically to measure function: how well is your brain working, as opposed to something like MRI, which which looks at structure. Yeah, yeah. It sounds it sounds really comprehensive. I'm just curious for my own personal use here. You know, my better half, she's always telling me like, "What are you crazy? Does this help certify that I'm not crazy?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we'd have to see if you are. Uh, that doesn't sound like a regular endorsement. <laughs> so, for our listeners, uh, what, any uh, any closing closing thoughts, my recommendations, thoughts that you have about how people, especially. Uh, you know, they want to be proactive. They want to take care of this stuff. Uh, even if they are suffering decline, decline right now, what, what could they do? Yeah, I mean, for one, they can go to our website. Um, it would be the evoxbrainmap.com uh, to learn a little bit more about various conditions um, that can manifest in the brain. Mm -hmm. um, we also have a physician finder there where they can check out a local doctor um, to help them find somebody who could take a look at the brain, uh, their brain with our device. Um, but even, even if, if not, they're not curious about getting a scan, I would just look at, you know, start doing a little bit of research and think about your own history. You know, mm -hmm. have you had concussions? Have you been in car accidents? 
Um, and what are things that you can do even in incremental ways to keep your brain engaged and, you know, what's good for the heart is good for the brain. Sure. Sure. Fantastic. Um, with that, I guess we'll put all that information in the show notes for our audience, assuming I don't get certified. Um, <laughs> sounds like I probably need to schedule a test with you. Marinella. Yeah, we'll make that happen. <laughs> but I appreciate you. I think we, we all appreciate you telling your, you're sharing your story here and, you know, I think it's definitely opened my eyes about I got to take better care of my brain. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Marina. Thank you guys. Take care. Hey, if you like today's show, please remember to hit the like button and leave a comment. If you've been enjoying the changing the story podcast series, please subscribe and share it with your friends. Thank you.